0: It's about that time, guys, Penn State football fans. Time for another edition of Penn Lives Blue White Breakdown, the Penn State football podcast. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle, who's in his studio somewhere in the Middletown, Pennsylvania area. Greg, I hope you're doing well. I don't know if you're excited. I'm kind of excited. The reason why is we're taping this on a Thursday morning and in 2 days we'll be able to go up to state college to beaver stadium to get a look at penn state's football practice it is they're going to be their 15th practice it is not a blue and white game we're going to talk about this right off the uh, right off the bat but we'll get to see along with a select audience inside beaver stadium what the 21 2021 team kind of looks like We'll get to see some new faces, some new coaches, hopefully some new players get a glimpse of Penn State football team. You know, the blue-white game traditionally is not really anything, I think, to get super worked up about, Greg. It's a great opportunity for the fans to go up and tailgate. Uh, The weather is usually nice. They usually get a very nice crowd. Um, Not everyone sticks around to the end, but it's a nice way to kind of meet up, get back up to State College the last chance before the fall. That's not going to be the case this year, Greg, but are you looking forward to making the trip up? This is a loaded question. Are you looking forward to making the trip up to State College on
1: Saturday? Yeah, it's certainly interesting, Bob, because, again, you've covered, what, about 20 blue-white games at this point? Yeah, we're
0: getting there. We're getting there.
1: Uh, and so, you know, this is always the weekend where you're, you're expecting to see kind of the stars show out, right? So especially during the James Franklin era, they always kind of put all the best players on one team. And they went against the twos, threes, and fours. And, you know, you got to see them uh, shine a little bit, I guess you could say. And the way James Franklin put it after practice on Wednesday night is whatever we end up seeing out of this, and obviously Penn State is going to control that on their social media channels, you know, it's going to be very practice-like. You know, James Franklin said for the parents of the players and the guests of the players, it'll look just like a lot of what they've seen before because before COVID they came to practice a lot. Uh-huh. And for the, the first-year University Park students who are there and for a uh, media and anyone else, it'll look more like, you know, the kind of snippets where, for the students. It will look very much like a normal football practice. For us, it'll look very much like the snippets we used to get during the right. spring. You know, James talked about the fact that he sees benefits in a blue-white game and having 75,000 people there and it being uh, a chance to kind of put guys against each other. And he's, I think the way he put it was, the blue-white game is more digestible for fans and TV because it's, that's what they're used to seeing. But obviously, this gives them a chance to evaluate a bit more just like they would at the Lash building in Haluba Hall. So I guess the bigger question long-term is, is this what the norm is going to be or will they go back to an annual spring game? But for now, it sure seems to me, Bob, that they'll show us a couple of, I think he said, bells and whistles. But for the most part, this will ultimately be much more like a practice than anything we've ever seen in a blue-white game in quite some time.
0: Yeah, I, I wrote down next to my notes, is this, is this a potential test case for Penn State? In other words, if it's perceived the right way and if they handle it the right way and, and there aren't a lot of upset people, might this be the future of the final workout for Penn State in spring? I think, I think that might still be to be determined, Greg, but I think it's probably on the table and depending on how Saturday is perceived by the fan base, uh, the alumni and all that, I, I think they'll make a decision going forward. Just a couple of notes, Greg. So like you said, the way that I understand it is there might be a small portion of the practice that looks a little like a scrimmage, very yeah. small, but it is it is, as you say, it's going to be much like a typical Penn State workout, whether it's probably spring or fall. It'll be a little dressed up. There's no TV. Uh, I think the, I think the radio broadcast is in play though. I still think you're going to get some, the Penn state radio network. I'm assuming that'll be Steve and Jack. Hopefully we'll be kind of, and I think I would encourage the fans, Greg, to listen to that, especially the ones that really look forward to actually seeing the Penn state team. The reason I say that Greg is usually with Jack and, and Steve, they can kind of unearth some nuggets on their on their uh broadcast maybe talk being either being at practice or talking to james or the coaches that you wouldn't normally pick up maybe on the blue white you know if it's if it's like on btn and sometimes they'll drop some practice nuggets about players or the depth chart or kind of mike gersich something like that if you're going to try and get some information greg about this practice i think that Maybe the radio broadcast, at least for a little while, would be the way to go.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you, Bob. If you listen to those guys during the game, you usually pick up a thing or two that they slip in from their time at practice. And now they're going to be talking about the 14 practices. I'm not sure if they ran all of them, but I'm pretty confident they were at some of them at least. So you're going to get some of those nuggets plus what they're seeing on the field. Something tells me there'll be some special guests lined up. Uh, to chat yeah. with them, so you'll probably get some insight from some I don't know former players. Maybe uh, the coaches will talk to them from the field at some point. Who knows? Um, it's a Penn State production, so we'll see. But yeah, I, I think that you know, again, the, the best part about this is no matter how small the snippet is, it's a chance yeah. to actually see it, it see it live. You know, all we've heard, all we've done so far is hear what people within the program have said yeah. about this or that or the other thing, and that's great. That's helpful, but. You know, I think a lot of times the best part of the blue-white game is you could go up with a buddy if you're a fan or for us, and you can say, you know what, I I saw this guy, you know, this quarterback do this or this offensive lineman do that. And maybe it means nothing come the fall. You know, we've heard the the star of the blue-white game time and time again, and then that doesn't necessarily pan out come September, but it's at least a chance to see it and say, you know what, there were some things that we could pick up just by watching. So I think that's the biggest advantage for the team, the fan base, us, everyone uh, about this setup. And, you know, we'll see. Obviously, it's not scheduled to be very long. I think the broadcast is on the air from noon to two. So Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how that'll work. But yeah, to your point, um, I guess the one thing that we should point out is that when we get to go to practice for like 10-15 minutes, usually once a spring, we'll see a like, I don't know, what, 10-minute period of like a scrimmage yeah, or six-minute period yeah. of scrimmage. Yeah, so I think that's what you are expecting here. A lot of individual work, a lot of normal football practice type stuff with some scrimmages mixed in between. So should be fun, should hopefully be informative. And I think it's also worth noting that Mike Yurcich, Brent Pry, and a bunch of other people are going to talk after this game. So we'll get some more insight from them as well.
0: It's a fairly early start. I think, Greg, does it, does it kind of kick off around one? Do I have that right or is it earlier than
1: that? Yeah. So the radio broadcast starts at noon. And if you're going to tune into it, you might as well do it. Then we don't know exactly how this is going to work. I mean, <laughs> the way because it's if you're enough to answer the TV,
0: they can do whatever they want.
1: They can. Yeah. And if you read the, the virtual event stuff, you know, it, it looks like one to two is the practice window. So maybe they're going to have James or somebody else on at noon or maybe. Yeah. Who yeah. knows? perhaps Sandy Barb will get on and give some kind of an attendance slash fan update and where they're at. So, you know, I'm thinking if you're a Penn State fan and you're looking to tune into this thing, I would say do it between, do it at 12. Don't wait till one because there's every chance it could be over by, you know, one 45, two o'clock.
0: Greg, how excited would you be if it's over that early? I know you, if you can make, if you can make the rounds in high spire on Saturday night and still get uh, the fan base, it's, it's, it's a necessary amount of Penn State football coverage from Saturday. Get some of your Sunday stuff started. You can make a, round, make, make a couple of rounds in High Spire. I think you'll be a happy guy. Uh, that's what I'm rooting for. Greg, let me just move this along with a couple of things that James Franklin touched upon Wednesday. I think Phil Troutwine, the offensive line coach, is also available. Yep. I'll just go real quick Noah Kane, uh, running back. Last time the Penn State fan base saw him was very early in the Indiana game last fall. Suffered a, a lower leg injury. We don't quite know what it was, but he only, his season was over after three carries. Greg, he's had injury issues both years at Penn State. A talented back. James said at the start of spring practice that he was hoping to get Noah some work, maybe by the halfway point of spring or at some point in spring. I know he was asked about Noah Kane. What do you have to say?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, Bob, back in March, when we were able to chat with James Franklin before, on the day that spring practice started, um, he kind of implied that they were hoping to get at least some work. Obviously, they didn't expect to get a ton, but at least some work out of Noah Kane by the second half of practice. He was asked if that was the case and said that it was. And so it wasn't full go. It wasn't during the live periods, but it at least sounds like he did enough to encourage uh, fans and the team that come September he'll be ready to go and I guess the blessing and the curse with Penn State's running back room is that even if he's not they have so many other options at least for now we know that the portal is always in play that's the curse of it all but you know the blessing is is even if Noah came would need more time you have Devin Ford who James Franklin gave an interesting answer about Bobby said that he, he kind of praised him and then kind of uh, needled him not needled him but Basically said, we need to see the good stuff more consistently and more evidently. You know, that's that's more- not a
0: good thing to hear if you're Devin Ford. That that tells me that James James wants a little more from him. I think that James is prepared to use some other backs because they had some young backs they liked last year, and they have the they have John Lovett as well. Right. I think I think that's a that's a shot across the bow. If I'm Devin Ford, it's like we really like you, but we need you need to step it up.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: to talk about this i i'm a little conflicted about this i want to i want to get your thoughts on this greg there's been a lot a lot of really good true freshmen come through the penn state program since i've been covering the team since you've been covering the team i mean you can just go through the list um i know i know that saquon barkley didn't arrive until the summer micah parsons was a january enrollee they've had some really talented players and Kalen king The corner, I got the position right, finally. I got it right. I'm excited. The corner from Michigan, who has just been, I would say, the talk of the offseason, and probably deservedly so. But Greg, my thought is this. Has Penn State's program raised the expectation level too much on a first-year player at a position where they have a lot of players coming back? I'm, I'm almost a little worried. That's my one thought. My other thought, though, is, Maybe this guy really is that good, and James is not afraid to share it because they have big plans for him in the fall. Where do you Where do you sit with regard to the praise coming out of State College for Kalen King, the true freshman corner, who apparently, I would say, has to have been maybe the most talked about player so far?
1: Yeah, Bob, I can't remember anything like it. I mean – there, I, there has rarely been immediate availability, player, coaches, James Franklin, assistants, whatever, where this guy <clears> hasn't come up. And to your point, I don't like they, they typically downplay freshmen, right? Because they don't want to have such high heaping expectations on a guy. And they want to get to a point where that guy builds up to those, not starts with those. And we've seen that over the years. You mentioned Micah Parsons. You mentioned Saquon Barkley. There's been others. But man, I'll tell you what, no one shies away from a chance to say that how good this kid is a true freshman from Michigan. Uh, his brother Kobe is also at Penn State. as a linebacker, right. but, and we've heard a little bit about him, but yep. man, Kalen King is just, they are setting him up for either a big year or for fans and others to say, wait, what, what, what happened? And I don't think that's necessarily fair to him. So right. I really, really am curious about the way Penn State has played this. I'll be hoping to talk to Brent Pry after practice on Saturday and just kind of get his take on it. Because it's great when teammates say something about a guy. It's great when the head coach says something about a guy. But let's be honest, it's going to come down to Brent Pry and whether he feels like he's ready to play a significant role in the defense. But, I mean, James Franklin, again, is about as blunt as I've heard him said. He felt good about the secondary coming into this. You add Kalen King, you add uh, Johnny Dixon, the South Carolina transfer. And now he thinks it's even better than he thought it could be. So very, very interesting. If he's right, um, I know you wrote a headline this morning that said Penn State's – we're we're talking on Thursday that Penn State's defense must be better and that P.J. Mustafer must lead the way. And that's right. But if Penn State's defense is actually going to be better, the secondary has to be more productive too. So we'll see. But, yeah, I uh, continue to be amazed by just how much praise and hype has been thrown Kaelin King's way. He was a highly regarded recruit, but I'm not sure you can ask – anyone saw this coming.
0: Yeah, I just wanted – and also before we move on to another player, I just wonder, Greg, if the Penn State program and the coaching staff have in the back of their mind that you know, for half of the 2020 season they were down to three healthy corners. Yes. And they feel so good about the fact that that almost – there's almost, knock on wood, no chance of that happening again Again, with Tariq Castro-Fields coming back, with Kalen King here, with Johnny Dixon here. You know, they, they still have Marquise Wilson. Obviously, Joey Porter is another guy and Keaton Ellis. Keaton Ellis, I think, had some issues as well last year, too. I just wonder if maybe they're so relieved, maybe they don't have to worry about designing a defense around just three corners. Uh, but clearly, they're ecstatic with with Kalen King. And, and also just to point out, you know, when, when a lot of the coaches and players talked about Kalen this offseason, they were they were asked about It wasn't it wasn't they were specifically asked about him and, you know, they were they were truthful about it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we heard maybe maybe more, maybe more than we uh, maybe more than we expected. But let's move along here on the Penn State Blue White breakdown. I want to ask you another about another player, Greg, that has not to this point in time in his career at Penn State really done much. But that could change. He's a veteran player now, I think, in his third or fourth year. An offensive lineman, Bryce Effner, Greg Penn State, has not really solidified probably its starting five yet and the key reserves. Yeah. They have some players coming back. I know Phil Troutwine was kind of asked about a starting lineup, and he was hesitant to name five. But James, I think, singled out – I don't know if he singled out, but he mentioned Bryce Effner and his versatility. That is a big thing to James Franklin – when he talks about his offensive linemen, I if you look um, at some of the guys that have played at Penn State in recent years, Conor McGovern, Michael Mennett, uh, Mike Miranda, even Will Fries kicking in from tackle to guard, he really values players that can play more than one spot. It sounds like if Bryce Effner gets on the field, that's something he can do.
1: Yeah, there's no question. He said that he's providing positional flexibility, that he can play guard. Someone rolled their ankles, so he rolled it. he moved in the center don't know if that was Mike Miranda or somebody else, but at any rate, um, yeah. And he's played tackle too. The interesting thing about that, the way that comment went down, Bob, is James Franklin had finished an answer and was moving on to the next question. And we know that he doesn't like to single guys out because he's always afraid he's going to miss someone. And yeah. it, you know, and they started to, to line up the next question, and he slammed on the brakes and said, Hang on, I got one more thing to say. Yeah. And gave about a four minute answer uh, about Bryce Efner. It probably wasn't four minutes, but it felt like it because he was very descriptive and very direct about the fact that this guy is actually putting it together. And I think we've heard before, Bob, that he was pretty athletic coming out of high school, three star from Illinois, but he was going to need time to put weight on and kind of have his body size match his speed. And it sounds like that's happened. So, Phil Troutwine was asked then uh, after James Franklin talked if he felt like he had a starting five. He said he would not reveal that, but that he felt like he had a too deep, basically ten guys he could go into a game with. So I have to think Bryce Eftner is among that group, and that's good for Penn State. I, I, you know, and I know Phil. Trout, I know Phil Troutwine has a reason for not wanting sure. to say who his five are, but. I can't help but shake that yet again, we're hearing that Penn State has 10 guys who could play and they're going to play more than five guys. And I have yet to see that be a winning solution for this program. So I'll be curious to see what that translates to in summer camp and then the Wisconsin game.
0: Yeah, I think it's smart for him to do that because you name your five starters. Now there's some unhappy campers and the transfer portal is very real, Greg. I wouldn't name would sure. starters. I wouldn't, name, I would, unless, I, unless they were standouts, I probably would be in that same boat, I think it's probably the wise play. I don't know if that's what he was thinking, but, you know, with what's going on in, co- in, in college sports and the, the, uh, the transfer rule, I think just became official uh, just shortly before we tape this about uh, you get the one-time transfer, Greg, you don't have right. to sit out. I mean, coaches, coaches and programs are going to deal with this more and more and more every year. And that's why I think two things, that's why you're going to see young players praised And that's also why you're going to say you're not going to see them in a big hurry, probably to name starting lineups unless the selections are obvious. Greg, here's something I know that we we didn't really talk about, but it was hinted at with regard to the transfer portal questions. In your opinion, Greg, do you think that Penn State's coaching staff, and I'm just talking about James Franklin and Mike Yursich, deep down, do you think Penn State's uh, feels good? about the backup quarterback position right now as they're about to finish off spring?
1: I would have to say the answer's at best lukewarm and probably leaning toward no. I mean, he was asked, James Franklin was asked about whether they would still consider a transfer portal quarterback. He said more or less, hey, look, we're going to consider it at every position, not just quarterback. But, um, I mean, the way he answered that question about the quarterbacks was interesting, kind of said that, well, you know, Taekwon Roberson and Christian Bayou have gotten a lot of extra work, and that's been good. And mentioned basically that they're short on numbers. And I'm sure they didn't need Sean Clifford to take every first team rep that there was, even though this is a new offense. So, I mean, again, that's one of the things on Saturday we'll get to see, you know, has Taquan Roberson's arm strength improved? What does Christian Bayou look like in person? He hasn't played in anything but a scrimmage setting since 2019 because the senior season was canceled because of COVID. So, what does he look like? But I, I just, they can not feel comfortable, I guess is the way I would put it. And the fact that you have two guys signed in the class of 2022 is great, but they can't help you this year. And if you think if all of the superlatives are true, Bob, and, you th- and they think that, you know, so many units are going to be better and this offense is going to score points, and they think that they can legitimately compete right. for something like a Big Ten title or whatever, mm-hmm. you can't, I don't think they can go into the season with just three quarterbacks Two of which have never played a competitive snap and one who has not played the game since 2019. I just don't think it's possible. So uh, I guess the other problem though is that the portal, it's no guarantee you're going to find somebody right. who can be I better think. than that. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out. I mean, I'm sure that they will always put a good face on publicly, but yeah, in the meeting rooms and things and staff meetings and things like that, surely I think that they know that if it was uh, Sean Clifford it would not have to come out for any reason or wouldn't be available for any reason. It'd be a long way to go for one of those two guys.
0: Agreed. Agreed with you. I agree with you on a lot of the points you just made, Greg, before we wrap up this edition of the blue light breakdown, Penn lives Penn state football podcast. He's Greg pickle on Bob founders. Number one, how is Lola the golden retriever? Just a quick update. Is everything good with her?
1: She's doing well, Bob.
0: All right, and finally, this is more important probably, although I don't think it is more important in my book, but what specifically will you be watching? Can you give me one or two things maybe you will be watching for on Saturday? Given what we've talked about, the fact that it's a practice, there might not be a lot of live hitting, you might not see, and it, it might just be like a, a little live look in, into practice. If if you do get a chance, though, and, and, the, and there is a little bit of a reveal, Greg, right? What are maybe one or two things you're looking for, maybe to try and in terms of learning some information about Penn State?
1: Well, before I do that, Bob, why don't we remind our listeners and fans yes. that they can watch the blue white breakdown on oh. youtube.com slash all Penn State and you can listen to it weekly, daily, uh, wherever you get your audio, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, et cetera. And uh, moving on to your question, you know, I think to me, again, the quarterback thing is interesting. You can't always pick up a ton in practice, but guess what? I mean, We've watched guys in warm-ups for games, Bob, and you can just, you know, especially the early season games and stuff like that, and the blue-white game, and, I mean, you can either make some deep throws or you can't, and this offense is, you need to be able to do that, so I will be curious to see if those young guys get a chance to do that at some point and what it looks like. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's a practice, but, you know, can they make those throws consistently? That's one thing I think everyone will have their eye on. You know, the other thing, too, is, and again, it gets a little bit funny because, you hear these guys talk about turnovers in the secondary and how things are looking good in practice you got to pause a second and say well you're you're picking off your teammates so what's going on on the other side (laughs) yeah but you know I will be curious to see what it looks like in that secondary are they more active on good throws from Sean Cliff or any other quarterbacks do they take advantage of bad throws because they haven't done that in the last couple of years they talked a lot about being able to take advantage of bad throws and turn them yeah. into production, but will they be able to do that? So those two things probably stand out to me a quarterbacks in the secondary. Obviously, you know, the lines will be interesting to watch. Yeah. It's seeing these, seeing what these transfer guys look like in person for the first time will be interesting. And I mean, ultimately just knowing that the fact that there's something going on with people in the stands on this Saturday in April, tells us a lot about where things should be yeah. in the fall. So that's about – that will probably end up being as big of a takeaway as any when all is said and done.
0: Yeah, real quick for me, Greg, I want to see Arnold Evicating move. That's the transfer uh, defensive end.
1: I would say he's the second most talked about guy behind Kalen King this spring.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's also a guy that was specifically asked about. And I think because it's such a position of not not need, but they just – they need they need a little bit more at defensive end. So Arnold, um I think I think his nickname is AK. I'm I'm not sure, but I believe that's to be the case. Uh, a lanky, long player had a good year at Temple last year. A lot of the players talk about his first step, how how he can kind of bend and turn the corner. I think he is positioned to really challenge. I won't let's not say starter, but play a lot. You never. I mean, he's. I think when they're when they need to rush the passer, I think he's got to be on the field. I'm anxious to see just kind of what he looks like physically, number one. And I want to talk about one guy real quick that I think, you know, we do we do our breakout list. We talk about players. Um, this guy has got under the radar, I think, his whole – since he's been at Penn State for a very good reason. I want to see Theo Johnson in the passing game if they're going to throw it to him. I don't know, Greg. You remember coveted recruit, but – he, could, he couldn't have worked in spring last year if he wanted to. I think he was an early enrollee, but I think he had a shoulder issue. And we weren't even sure if he was going to be able to play in the fall. They played him as a true freshman. Um, when Pat Fryermuth went down, we saw a lot of him in two tight end sets. He's a big guy. Second-year player 6'5", maybe, 250, 260. Uh, he, he showed a willingness to block, Greg, and that's great. But I think he can be just a matchup weapon. Absolutely in the, uh, in the Friar Musicki sense. And I'm curious to see what the plan for, for him is, Theo Johnson is, uh, according to Mike Yersich. I know we won't see a lot, but he's a guy that I think can really help this offense. I'm anxious to see those two big athletes, Arnold and Theo Johnson, move around. Having said all that, James Franklin will probably hold them both out. I remember one year I was all excited to see Trace McSorley uh, throw the ball during the blue-white game. And I think he had mono or and James didn't tell anyone. He never got, I don't even, th- I don't even think he was in the stadium. So hopefully I did not black cat either Arnold Ebbacady or Theo Johnson. Those are two guys I'm looking forward to seeing. Greg, why don't we just wrap it up? We have, we're going to have a lot to talk about. I would imagine if we can, Greg, we'll probably kind of, we will probably try and fit in maybe a shorter podcast after the, after the practice. If we can, maybe a ride along or whatever we can do just to update the fans of what we saw.
1: That's the goal, Bob. Let's keep our fingers crossed. And one other thing I would say, let me just end with this. I want to see how the newer coaches and the second-year coaches interact with their players because we've heard a lot about why it matters that they have spring practice, but does it show up on the field? Because, again, if these guys are going to be better, they have to trust what these coaches, especially the Taylor Stubblefields, Phil Troutwines, Anthony Poindexters, the guys who have done it on the field and can show them how they were All-Americans and this, that, the other thing. So I'll be curious to see that as well.